0: Hi, and welcome to the iPhone Life Podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life.
1: And I'm David Auverbach, CEO and publisher.
0: We are recording a live show today because it is Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference Keynote Day. We've just been watching that and learning about all of the new software coming to the iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, and Mac, and Apple TV. And so today we're gonna to talk about everything, the, all of the features we just learned about, tell you what we think is the coolest, what Apple didn't announce, Mm -hmm. and what to make of all of it.
1: (laughs) It was a lot. It was a long announcement.
0: (laughs) It was. And uh, we are excited to have a live show today because we have a nice group here uh, joining the podcast who can ask their questions and interact with us throughout the episode so we can find out from you what do you want to know from us, and we can answer your questions to the best of our abilities. So Thank you to all of you who joined the live show today. It's so much fun to do it this way. And before we jump into our WWDC coverage, we have a sponsor for today's episode, OWC, that David's going to tell you about.
1: Yeah, so today's sponsor is OWC, and I'm going to tell you about their website, MacSales.com. OWC has been around a really long time. They're a really big name in our industry. MacSales.com is a really excellent place to get refurbished Mac computers. So make sure you check them out. They have any Mac computer you're interested in. You can get a refurbished for a great price. They have great reputation as well. So again, that's MacSales.com. They also manufacture their own products. And so one of their products that I love is their USB-C dock. And how it works is you can plug it into a Mac if you have a USB-C Mac or an iPad Pro, and it gives you a wide range of options. Actually, funnily enough, I'm using it right now to uh, plug my mic into my computer for this podcast, because my mic is a USB-A mic, uh, and I have a MacBook Pro, which doesn't accept USB-A. So it gives you a wide range of things you can plug in, USB-A, HDMI, uh, SD cards. So it's a great product that is also available at MacSales.com.
0: Thanks, David. And before we jump into all of the details of each of the operating systems, we wanted to give you a bigger picture look at what are are the main takeaways from today's announcement for those of you who didn't watch or for those of you who did and just weren't sure quite what to make of it. So, um, David, let's just talk for a moment about that. Uh, What were your main takeaways from the event? Uh,
1: Sure, well, I mean, first of all, I've been covering WWDC for 10 years now. And so there was something a little bit surreal about this event in that it was all social distanced. Usually this is a live event with people in the audience and uh, it's a live presentation where in this case, there were, these were all, one person in a room alone and i don't know about you donna it seemed like it was pre-recorded right like that was not live
0: it seemed pre-recorded and it was a little bit funny in certain ways the way they did it because it was all on uh, apple camp on the apple campus but it looked kind of like a green screen situation <laughs> in some of it to me i don't know it looked pre-recorded though for yeah sure.
1: um, so it was a very it was a different style i actually didn't mind it because they were able to you know, in a pre-recorded, you have more planning, you can show screens a little easier, and there's a little bit less fluff and a little bit more demoing and really going into details. Uh, In terms of what was actually announced today, overall, I was really impressed. They had, it was a pretty ambitious upgrade. Um, Part of that is because we have so many operating systems now. It used to be, we've been talking about this, Don and I were talking about this before the show, but it used to be that iOS sort of encompassed Everything like iPad ran iOS and your Apple TV was they still called it iOS, and now everything has its own operating system and it gets its own part of the announcement. So there was a lot to cover, Um, and each one felt pretty full. So overall, I was impressed. My big picture takeaway is that their focus this year was on uh, user experience, it was really improving and polishing the user experience, in particular, Mac got a huge upgrade in terms of they basically redesigned their whole operating system in terms of the look and feel of it. Uh, And so that was my first takeaway. My second big takeaway is kind of even though these operating systems are fragmenting, Apple is also unifying a lot of these experiences. So it brought certain things that was on Mac to the iPad and brought certain things that was on iOS to the Mac and everything sort of getting unified in terms of the experience while also fragmented in terms of the operating systems. How about you, Donna?
0: Yeah, well, I have a similar thought about like Apple last year fragmented off iPad OS. Now uh, the iPad has its own operating system. iOS used to be running both on the iPhone and iPad. But I had the same takeaway that now we're seeing the same features popping up on all the different devices, but they're being built in a way that is like really tailored well to that specific device. So to make that more tangible, we had now have a uh, control center that nice little panel of your most commonly used settings on your iPhone, iPad, and then today, now that's been brought out for the Mac as well, which I think is really awesome. Um, There's like these new widgets that are really nice that are on the iPad and also now on your Mac. So it's just making it even more seamless. Seamless would be like the word of the day for the (laughs) Apple (laughs) event. Apple was calling everything seamless, but I do think it was the right description Um, as you move from different devices everything kind of looks the same, but works well on the device you're using. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that, that that was definitely a highlight for me. Um, I also, I think that we were a little bit surprised by the fact that there were no hardware re- uh, releases today. Yes. I've been hearing a lot of updates, um, a lot of rumors about a new budget version of the HomePod. And we haven't gotten a new HomePod in three years since the release of the HomePod. So that was a little perplexing and we were surprised by that. Also no Apple AirTags. That was another device that was rumored to um, come out today that would allow you to put a little Bluetooth tracker on things like your keys or wallet and be able to track them with your iPhone. We didn't get that either today.
1: I I Um, will say I I wasn't that surprised by this um, in part because it's something we see pretty frequently, to be honest, that we see rumors about hardware updates at WWDC, but WWDC really does focus primarily on software updates. Every once in a while they'll sneak a hardware update in, but I would I would not be surprised if we still got the Air Tags in the HomePod this year, but they're just going to wait until either a September event or something that's been kind of new this year, especially in the age of coronavirus is people, Apple is actually starting to release products uh, just from press releases like a normal company. So that might happen too. I think they're coming and I actually wasn't too surprised that it didn't happen during WWDC.
0: I wanted to see quickly what some of our listeners' main takeaways were who um, have watched the event today. And I am excited to announce that I just noticed that my dad, Michael Schill, is <laughs> attending the live podcast today and he's uh, asked some questions. So I'm gonna go ahead and I'll, uh, I'll turn on his mic to see if Friend of the the hi.
1: Mike has been on the podcast before.
0: Yes, um, so I've just, I've just unmuted you.
1: Well, Hi, Dad.
0: <laughs> Here we are. How's it going? What did you watch the WD- WDC today?
1: I I watched up to where they talked about the uh, hardware um, processor change for the MacBook. So I'm I'm I had to leave for a, our company weekly meeting. So I'm I, I'm anxious to hear more about that. But since I live every day all day out of my MacBook, uh, having the a new, a new machine sounds very attractive.
0: Yeah, I just saw you asked in the Q and A box that it would be nice to have touch capabilities for the MacBook.
1: Yeah, they didn't say anything about that. I don't. No. And I can tell you, they've explicitly said in the past that they have no intention of doing that. Um, and yeah, it's so they they wouldn't do a trackpad for the iPad or e- either. But... Yeah. Ah, oh, I... touche.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think you're probably right on both accounts. Not only is that a good point, but also I think they will eventually do a touchscreen. I was letting my stepson use my computer the other day, And the first thing he did was touch the screen to try to scroll. I think especially that generation is just used to being able to use everything as a touch screen. I think it'll happen. Their logic is just they think it is an unintuitive user experience to both have a trackpad and a touch screen on one device. Obviously, they broke that rule with the iPad, but they have yet to do it on the computer. I will say that I don't know that I personally miss it. On a computer i think i tend to just use my mouse so i don't know yeah oh i find myself reaching for the screen once in a while because i use a uh, macbook pro or uh, ipad pro you know with the big screen so it's <laughs> that's about the same size so i
0: sometimes find myself reaching for the screen trying to do stuff that uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, thanks so much, uh, Dad, for tuning in today. Just to let everyone know, he's probably the biggest Apple enthusiast I know. Uh, When I go uh, over to his house right now while he's working from home, he has probably like three different iPad displays, a huge monitor, and his iPhone and his Apple Watch all out at the same time. So you don't get much more of a fanboy than that. (laughs) Thanks, Dad. Um, I've asked if anybody else would... Uh, like to uh, let us know what their main takeaways from today's event is. Otherwise, we will get start going through the list of the different operating systems and give you our main takeaways from each of them. And I'm not seeing any raised hands, so we will move right along. I think the best place to start is iOS 14 because that has the most updates that we saw today. So. I guess to get started, I'll tell you about my favorite, my favorite upgrade. Apple had rumors going around for a while about messages upgrades. Um, That included the ability to mention people in your group texts so that you would be sure not to miss in a big whole, you know, mountain of group text messages, messages that were meant just for you. There were also rumors of things like being able to, um, retract messages and it would actually be able to delete it on not only your device but other people's devices. We didn't see that. But Apple did announce the mention feature. So um, now if you have a group text going, let's say, with your family, I have one going with my dad who's just here. And let's say he wants to ask me something and doesn't want me to miss it, he can just type my name and I'll get a special notification that lets me know that I was mentioned in that group text. And you can actually then turn off all other notifications for that thread besides mentions of you, which is really, I think, convenient.
1: I also, along the same lines, I really liked Apple's change to the Messages app where you can pin people in threads. I thought that was really nice. Basically, how it works is people who you text frequently, you can pin them and it keeps them on the top of the messages app. And so that way you can easily resume those conversations because I think we all have sort of two tiers of text going on. We have kind of the random people who text uh, here and there. And then we have the people who were texting kind of all day, every day throughout our lives. And that is really nice to separate those out and have those conversations that we just have continually going like our partners or if you have any group conversations with your families. And so you can easily access those. And it's a little bit, cause I hate when I'm trying to text, like uh, I have a group conversation going to my friends and I have to scroll all the way down to find it. I thought that was a really nice addition.
0: Yeah, I agree. So that, that was my favorite uh, iOS 14 feature, but we have a lot of other Cool improvements too. Um, The app library is one I had sort of knocked in our rumor uh, episodes coming up to it where I was like, oh, that doesn't sound that cool, but I actually think it is really cool. David, do you want to Describe for people what the app library is.
1: Yeah, basically, it's a window that they are going, or it's a view that they're going to put at the end of your home page. So if you go, if you right now you have your home screen and you swipe through and you see the apps on each page, and if you get to the end, they're going to have a new view which basically sorts through your apps in various ways. Um, And so one way is alphabetical. Another way is most used apps. It puts your newest apps. It has some kind of, it uses their AI to also come up with suggestions. So I'm assuming, let's say you're in an airport, they'll have one that has sort of what they think you might use and they might pull that up. So it's just a different way of accessing apps, which I thought was really great. Um, The reason for that, and if you guys, for those watching the video podcast or the people attending live, Donna's putting up some screenshots of it so you can see what it looks like. Um, I personally do not sort my apps. It seems like there's two types of people in this world is what I'm learning from this announcement. Those who really care about the position of every single app and will not use this at all. And those who do not care and therefore will really like this. Um, I film the, camp of I do not sort my apps my actual home screen home screen I put some attention to so I probably will leave that but other than that this seemed like a really nice way for me personally to be able to navigate it what what about you Donna is this something you're excited about
0: yeah I think that um it just looks interesting in that what we'll get to in a minute that you can also sort like widgets into the mix here too. yeah I'm excited Um, for that too but it's nice because I probably have about like eight pages of apps right now. Um, And so what it lets you do is you can choose only like you can choose which pages you want to still be able to scroll through. Like you can see little previews here and check boxes next to them. So you can say, I only want to be able to see two of my app screens, but at any time I can go um, into this app library view and edit it and, like all of these other apps are still available to me. So it's very low risk, but that way it's you only have two pages of home screens. And then on the third page you'd swipe to, you'd be in this app library and it would show you like your most recently downloaded apps. Um, you can see this like square on the right says recently added or suggestions would be based on your behavior. So you would see apps you've used recently. And um, while convenient, like my only concern is just that sometimes when Apple chooses for you what you see. It doesn't show me what I would choose for myself. So like there's some control being lost there. Although of course I can always get to any app I want at any time. So some of it, like I need to have the hands-on experience before I can really say that I love it, but I think it's a cool idea and seeing the pictures, like the execution of it looks interesting to me. Yeah.
1: A, a couple thoughts here. First of all, I just went and counted. You all saw me pick up my phone. That's why I have 12 pages of apps. <laughs> um, I'm curious, <laughs> by the way, for those listening live, if you all want to go count, let us know how many you have. Um, I'm probably in the majority, but uh, 12 pages is a lot. Um, so I have 12 pages of apps. I I agree. I think that's kind of the common, um, concern is how good of a job will Apple do in terms of bringing up the right app for you. But my counter to that is it's a lot better than nothing, which is what we have now. And you can always, of course, and go search. Um, so personally, what I'm planning on doing is I'm just going to have my home screen, which is going to be a lot of widgets. We'll talk about that. And then after that, I'm going to pull up the app library. Like, I just do not need to sort through 12 pages of apps to find the one I want. I never do it now. I always search, so I'm excited.
0: Yeah, we have someone, Chuck says uh, he has 988 apps. So this could be very convenient for you. Yeah, Um, wow. Next, let's talk about widgets. Apple released a new version of widgets that I think, to me, this looks like it's going to be the first true widget. I used to have a Samsung phone, and one of my favorite features of it is that I could choose widgets to have on my lock screen and home screen, meaning I could have a weather widget that would tell me the forecast right from my home screen um, or a calendar or something like that, and up until now, Apple has had um, the Today View, which you swipe Uh, left to right from your home screen to get to. And that will show you like a list of little app previews there. And Apple's been calling those widgets for a while. But now they actually added the ability to customize the size of them, to put them on your home screen wherever you want. And to me, that's what a widget really is, is like having way more customization of that. Um, and I'm gonna share my screen again, cause I wanna show you, for those of you who didn't watch the announcement, what that looks like. So what did you think of the widgets, David?
1: I am really excited about them. Um, it's funny because those who listen to our pre-podcast, uh, I wasn't, didn't think I would be excited about them because I never use the widgets now. Uh, which are on the other display. But when I saw it, I thought it was executed really well. I thought the ability to kind of control where you put it and have it on your home screen looked great to me. Um, And I think the closest comp to me is uh, on. I have an Apple Watch and on my Apple Watch, I have complications, which I use a lot, which is just basically a quick display of, of information. So having the weather on my home screen seemed really convenient to me. The calendar seemed like that would be fun. And also, as I was mentioning before, I pretty much never use my home screen to, sort, to find apps that I actually want. And so having other data other than just a list of apps seemed really valuable to me. What did you think?
0: Yeah, I love that you can choose which size to have. Like from this screen share I'm showing you, I like the small square weather widget, I think I would put that straight on my home screen so that, that like basically it would be surrounded by my other app icons on my home screen, um, and I could see a little preview of what the weather is like that day. Um, and the one on the top here where it, that says Nature 2019, that's the photos app preview you're seeing, but they talked about this feature called um, Siri Stacks, and this, this is another one that depends on the execution. But you could choose the selection of widgets and um, add it to a stack. And depending on what your phone kind of like knows about your user, user behavior, it would show you the widget it thinks that you would want at any given time from those options. And so I was kind of curious to give that a try.
1: I do want to share a few comments we have here. First of all, we have someone who has 16 pages of apps, so they are clearly beating me. I don't know if that's a congratulations to me or them because that's a lot. Um, We have somebody here who has four pages but really carefully curated, so that's certainly the other way of doing it is really care about your position. Um, And then somebody, John is saying, having outside temperature on my home screen is huge, so they're agreeing. Uh, if you all listening live want to type in some of your thoughts on the widgets, whether you think you would use it and which ones you would use, we can read those out.
0: Yeah, I'm going to, um, we have a couple questions. My dad says I collapsed my 10 pages of apps down to two and a half pages using, using folders. So that, that is a one way to do it as well, but, um.
1: We also have a question here, and I think it's, it's a really important question to address that we sort of glossed over, which is, when will this be available and who will it be available to? So iOS, yes. they typically announce us in June. Obviously, we just had the announcement, so they did that. Um, the new operating system is almost always available in beta in July. Did they announce that that's happening this year, Donna?
0: Yes. So what's happening is that um, as of today, the developer version of all the softwares are available. But the developer version, for most of you listening, unless you're app developers, that's not going to be relevant to you. But now they do a public beta program. uh, For the past few years, they've been doing that, which is a good option for a lot of people who want to get their hands on the software early. But you do have to know going into it that it's going to be buggy. You could experience... App crashing, different problems. Um, for the most part, you don't really need to worry about losing data because they've solved some of those problems. But in the past, you could even like lose important data off your phone. Um, so, but now the public beta program is going to come out in July. And historically, they've only had that for the iPhone and the iPad. But this year, they're also going to have a public beta for the watch, for WatchOS 7. So, um, that's really not far away. We're looking just uh, a little over a week Yeah, and you our can general, try the public beta.
1: Our general recommendation is to hold off a bit for the public beta. We will be covering this, so we you can kind of tune into iPhone Live and tune into our podcast, and we'll tell you when we think it's pretty stable. And if you're someone who's an early adopter, it's really fun. I always do the beta. I mean, obviously, it's important for me for my job, but I think I would do it anyway. It's really fun. But if you're someone who gets annoyed by buggy apps or really can't have your phone crashing for any reason, it's certainly a risk to take. So I think for most people, a recommendation is a minimum to hold off uh, until later versions of the beta. And even then it might not be worth doing. Um, The other question, part of this question that we got here is, will it be available for the iPhone 11? And I'm going to kind of expand that to say uh, what phones will it be available for? So first of all, I think we mentioned this, but just in case It will, they typically release the the new operating system in its full version in September uh, with when they either, they do it around the announcement of the new iPhone or they do it when the the new iPhone ships. They do usually make one new generation obsolete, not always. um, But I think we're on the iPhone 6 Plus is in danger of becoming obsolete now. But what that means is if you have the iPhone 7 eight, nine, or there is no nine. Yeah, the iPhone seven, eight, uh, or if you have the 10, 10 S or 11, you will get this and it's free. So almost everybody will have the new operating system when it comes out. Uh, it, unless I, and I will have to double check this. Sometimes they do support every phone that they were supporting the last generation. And I think we're on six S. So I think that's the one at risk.
0: The next feature I wanted to talk about is App Clips. This is a really interesting new feature of of iOS 14 that allows you to use certain features of an app without actually downloading it. And um, basically the idea behind it is that sometimes whether you're doing a certain activity on your phone or you're at a place that has a service through an app available to you, um, it'll either pop up on your phone or there'll be a code available for you to scan with your phone and it'll take you straight to like a preview of that app. So I'll give you an example. Um, There's a scooter rental service in some cities. And if you're walking by the scooter rental, you'll see a little thing pop up that you can actually rent a scooter without downloading the app that offers that service. And the way that it's able to do that is by using sign in with Apple, which is Apple's Uh, secure login service that lets you basically create an account um, without giving away your email address and information to companies and Apple Pay. So you could pay to rent that scooter all just from like a little notification from that app popping up on your phone and you don't have to actually store that on your phone. I'm really Um,
1: excited about this. It's something I remember years ago when third party apps just started taking off. There was this huge debate happening over what would happen in the future because uh, third party apps have this advantage of you can have really nice user interfaces that you can't have on websites. um, But... Websites are so easy to access. I can go, the example I was using earlier when we were talking about this, I can go to airbnb.com right away and just start searching for Airbnbs whereas to go to the app store and download the app and then start using it, it takes a little bit of time and it's kind of a hassle, but it's really a nicer experience. And so this is potentially a hybrid where you can take advantage of the user experience of an app being better but for apps that you may only use once, let's say you're in a restaurant and you need to order food, but you're not going to go back to that restaurant. Um, you don't really want to download that app and A, take the time and B, keep it on your phone forever. So this is a nice kind of hybrid model that if it becomes widely adopted, I think could be a pretty big deal in terms of how we use our iPhones.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And here's a little uh, preview of what that looks like. Um, like a little thing that would pop up on your phone. And they're talking about using QR codes for this, but also creating their own unique codes called like app clip codes. Um, And that would be something when you saw it in different physical locations you went to, you could scan using your um, phone's camera, and then this something like this would pop up.
1: Another example where I think uh, app clips could be really useful is in sharing with other people. So for example, if I share a Spotify song with somebody, but they don't have Spotify, they may be able to still listen to the entire song without having to download the Spotify app. Things like that, I think, could be really useful application of this. And we'll have to see how third-party app developers use it.
0: And David and I are gonna continue. We have a couple more iOS 14 features to share with you, but please go ahead and raise your hand or uh type either in the chat box or q a if you would like to share with us what your favorite feature of ios 14 was and when we get through these last couple features we will call on you
1: i do want Um. to share we had a comment in here a little while back ronica was saying that her favorite widget is the battery widget which i also think is a a great widget but b at with when Apple introduced the notch, they got rid of the ability to see the percentage that you have in your battery without swiping down so that's something that that's a great example of where I will be using the widgets moving forward that I'm really excited about
0: Cool yeah, it's fun to hear what people are using um, so for iOS fourteen there are a couple other features that were cool. Carplay is one of them, and Siri has some major up upgrades that were cool. Um, First, I'm just going to talk about Siri. Siri, for the longest time, whenever you invoke your digital assistant, it just takes over your entire screen. And it also, if somebody, um, yeah, basically you can't be doing more than one thing. You have to either be using Siri or using your phone. But now it's has like just a little circle in the bottom right corner of your display and when it's giving you results it just shows up basically more like notification card style on your display but not obscuring your entire screen and so that's just the ui of siri there's also some added capabilities but um i thought that i'm excited about that
1: yeah i mean it was one of those perfect examples to me the best updates that apple ever makes are ones that when they tell you about it you retroactively feel angry that you haven't had that in your life this whole time. And I think that was my experience watching the Siri update. I was like, yeah, that is such a better way of doing it. Why have they been getting rid of the entire screen just to use Siri? And in particular, I think it'll be useful when sometimes when you're using Siri, they will, um, they will require a follow-up step like let's say you're scheduling a meeting but then you look at it and you want to then invite somebody and suddenly you're having to go from this big series screen to a new app and open it up there and here it seemed like there was some user interface a- applications where you were able to do a little bit more interacting with apps without having to completely navigate away from what you were doing which i thought was really nice
0: yeah i thought so too, and. They threw out the statistic that um, over the past three years, now Siri knows 20 times more facts than it did before, which is just nice to like. In general, I've felt that Alexa seems to know a lot more than Siri does, even though I love the way Siri's integrated with all of Apple's services. So I'm happy to hear that they are like working on improving Siri's knowledge base as time goes on. Um, they also have added translations to Siri, so you can use um, Siri to translate whatever you're saying to there was a list of I think about 10 languages that you could translate your speech to.
1: I, I'll be interested with that translation they also came out with a translation app um, which mm-hmm. it looks cool but also the point everybody's making is Google's had that for years I mean we're talking like at least five years not only on Android but there's a translate app that you can use on your phone for free so we'll see if it's any better it's one of those things where Um, Apple doing it means there's native, uh, you know, there's native applications such as using it on Siri, which is nice, but it's, I get annoyed when Apple comes out with this really exciting new feature, which is really, they just copied what everybody else has been doing for years, which to be fair is also a little bit, the widgets thing, which Google has had on Android for years and years. And that's been one of the biggest knocks that, people who have Android claim is better. So I'm glad we're getting it on iPhone, but it is something Mm -hmm. that Google's had for a very long time.
0: Let's talk about CarPlay for a minute. Uh, David just bought a new car that has CarPlay, right?
1: I do. And I've had CarPlay before. So I will say when I was buying a new car, I only looked at cars that were CarPlay compatible. That's how important this has become to me because I love CarPlay. First of all, I find the infotainment systems in cars that don't have CarPlay to be terrible. They're really hard to use. They're um, just really poorly designed. So I found CarPlay to be way better, especially for um, just their new view that they had with iOS 13, where you could have the map and you could have your text messages or whatever. You could have a bunch of different apps going side by side. Um, So I love CarPlay they went really quickly. Did you catch, what, what did they change in CarPlay?
0: Well, they have new wallpapers, which is very important. (laughs) Uh, The main things I heard is that they have new wallpapers and then this uh, car key feature, which honestly, I actually was going to ask you to share what that one was because I feel like I missed some of the details on it. Oh,
1: sure. I can share that. Yeah. Um, So this is something that they, again, they stole from Tesla, but I didn't mind it, which is basically Tesla has this feature where you can use your phone as a key. So right now, how modern keys work is any new car you buy, you don't take the key and put it in the ignition and turn it anymore. It's just a fob that you have and your car senses when that fob is near the car and allows you to turn it on when that fob is near the car. So basically what this feature does is, instead of having to carry around this giant fob, it allows you to use your iPhone, which is, in some ways, I've, some people were concerned, like, wait, couldn't someone steal your phone? My take is I think it's actually more secure, because if somebody steals your car key, they can take your car. If somebody steals your phone to access your car, they still need your password. Um, And so it's actually in some ways, even though it feels weird that it maybe wouldn't be as secure, in my opinion, in some ways it's more secure and it means we don't have to use car keys anymore. Um, Which is exciting, except for, of course, what happens if you lose your phone or you uh, don't happen to have your phone with you and then you don't uh, or your phone dies and I was making the joke too because My, I have a smart home where I have a smart lock, which I use my phone to unlock. So I'm getting to a point where if my phone dies, I won't be able to use my car or my, (laughs) or, or get into my house.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. That's okay. I mean, we all are relying on our iPhone more and more, but taking it to the next level. I do. um, I do for
1: the record, carry a car key and a house key. So I'll be okay, but we're getting dangerously close to me not being okay.
0: (laughs) Right. So there's one more feature I wanted to mention before we move on. I wanted to let you know, all listening, that we're are we are going to wrap this up, and uh, we want to have the podcast not go longer than an hour or around there. So we're going to cruise through the other feature, the other operating systems, a little faster, and we decided to spend longer on iOS 14. But for those of you who are really concerned about privacy, I did want to mention that Apple is now going to require all developers to tell you before you download an app on that app store preview uh, what data they're collecting on, what data they collect on you before you make the decision of whether or not you want to download it. And I think this is pretty, that's a pretty uh, big change. What do you think, David?
1: Yeah. It's one of those subtle things where Apple's really making a big push towards privacy. And I appreciate it because it's scary that amount of data that apps can collect, especially the type of apps where you allow to use your location, which is more apps than you would think. So I appreciated that. I liked it. Um, I will, William here has a comment saying that he would like that, car key feature for his Apple Watch. And I think A, that's a great idea. And B, I would be surprised if Apple didn't do that. So I think that would be pretty cool to be able to use your Apple Watch to unlock your phone as well, especially those people who have, GP, or who have cellular Apple Watches, they could then unlock their, their car even when they don't have their phone with them.
0: I'm going to go ahead and call on Michelle, who uh, she mentioned what her favorite iOS 14 feature is. Michelle, if you want to go ahead and unmute yourself, you can let us know. Um, I also, in the meantime, wanted to answer Tim's question. He says, I have an iPhone 6S Plus. I hope Apple maintains compatibility. And I wanted to say, I look just looked that up and you are good to go, Tim. Um, the iOS 14 is going to be working with the iPhone 6S Plus. It also will work back with as far back as the original iPhone SE. Um, So you're just making it like nothing older than that will work. Um, You just made
1: the cut. And for the record, I know a lot of people complain about Apple making these old devices obsolete. I think it's a healthy part of the process. Obviously, it's not fun if you have a device that you like and suddenly you can't do a new operating system. But as the devices improve, Apple's improved the processors, and they can handle more and more complex operating systems. Apple, the reason why they're making it obsolete is they're taking full advantage of the processing power of the newer devices. So it's always a balance, but I don't think it's inherently that Apple's being greedy. I think that it's a healthy thing for Apple to push the boundaries of what, uh, uh, what they can do with their processors. And I think that's a different trade-off.
0: Uh, Michelle, I see you are uh, unmuted now. Would you like to share what your iOS 14 feature is?
1: Um. My favorite would be the tag on the messenger, because I am an older person, and I hate messaging. Um, Texting drives me nuts. I'd rather talk to somebody, but I am forced to with the grandchildren. So when we get on a big family text, I would like to know who's talking to me at the time.
0: Yes. So uh, Michelle, you and I are on the same page. This is my favorite feature too. And maybe for different reasons. Cause I actually, I'm more like, I hate talking on the phone, <laughs> but I also hate uh, being bombarded with like a hundred text notifications on a family thread. I'd rather know. Yes. Yeah you know, if someone wants to ask me something directly. So yeah, thanks so much for sharing. And thanks for joining the show today, Michelle. Thank Thank you.
1: Thanks, Michelle. And just to clarify for everyone else, we did go over it, but we went quickly. That's the feature where if you're in a group message, you can specifically mention somebody and they will get told that you mentioned their name. Um, So that way, if you have a a rapid fire thread where people are commenting on a million things, you can find really quickly, are they somebody asking me a question or what is relevant to me? um we have somebody else here asking will it be the 6s or just the 6s plus it'll work the ios 14 will work on the 6s and the 6s plus so you're you are okay
0: let's move on to ipad os um we'll just in the next 15 minutes share with you kind of top hits from ipad os 14 watch os 7 and then of course mac os big sur um iPad OS, my favorite features I would say would be that they've created, um, they've added widgets that they, we just talked about for iOS 14 to the iPad, but they're tailored to the iPad's bigger screen. And also um, there's a sidebar that's now in a lot of Apple's built-in apps. There's a sidebar for the Photos app, files, music, and a couple other things. And like one example they showed is in the photos app, you can be looking through your photos and just kind of drag and drop photos into different albums that are along your sidebar. So you can see in the sidebar view, all of the different albums you've created instead of having to open up that different albums tab along the bottom and then scroll through to find your album. It just was a lot easier to like see everything all in one place. And same with the files app. Really, like file management, I still find desktop computers to be the easiest to manage all of these things, but it is nice to see when Apple's making the mobile operating systems easier to do file management. So, with the Files app now, too, you can drag and drop files into different folders using the sidebar, and it's definitely an improved experience over what it was before. Um, David, did you have any other iPad OS features?
1: Yeah, first of all, I think overall, my takeaway for iPad OS was I was pretty disappointed. Um, whereas Mac OS and iPhone OS or iOS 13, 14 felt really robust, like they'd really put a lot into it. The iPad OS, I was expecting more. Apple has really been making a big push for iPad OS to make it a lot more user-friendly for work so that you can use it as your main computer. And they didn't do a whole lot here for me. So I think my overall is a little bit disappointed in that. Um, It was strange because I think the headline of this would have been the addition of mouse support, but Apple chose to release that early, which of course I'm happy that they released it early, but it was strange that they did that. Um, my favorite feature, though, of what they did release was their universal search. Um, that's something that they have on the Mac, and I use it all the time. I use it constantly. So I was really excited to see that they're bringing that to iPad. Um, basically, how it works is instead of swiping over to search or swipe down to search, uh, it, it doesn't take over your entire display anymore. It just comes up over your display as a little like uh, widget type view. And then when you search, Donna, if you're watching the video is showing you <laughs> what I am poorly describing. Uh, and when you search, it can do a lot of things. So it's a much more robust search. It searches through your apps so you can pull up an app, but also you can actually type questions. So on my, uh, on my computer, I'm always doing little things like I'll do a math problem in there if I'm trying to do a quick math problem or I'll ask like, what time is it in China or something like that. So you can do a lot with that search functionality uh, there that you couldn't do before. So I'm excited about that.
0: How is it different than the search bar that's already been there? I,
1: to be honest, but- they glossed over it. So I'm not. I, I I'm going to have a hard time comparing and contrasting. First of all, it obviously looks different that it comes up over your screen instead of taking over your screen. Um, but my right. understanding was it was more universal and you could use it more. And I will say that I use my Mac search more and it looked a lot like the Mac search. Um, so I think it, it handles a lot more use cases.
0: Yeah. I would agree with you that iPad OS 14 felt pretty light Um, in the next issue of iPhone life magazine that we're just putting together. We created a, we included a how to article on using the iPad mouse. And I do think it was just a weird choice of Apple to sort of bury that pretty big release in a incremental update with iPad uh, OS 13.4, instead of saving that um, because that's actually pretty substantial for years we've been wanting to be able to use a trackpad or a mouse for the iPad so that you can use it in more of a laptop-like way. Um, and that seems like a way bigger deal than things like adding this sidebar or you know these sort of smaller incremental improvements.
1: I honestly think that what happened, my guess, is that coronavirus kind of screwed some things up because I think what happened was they wanted to release their new keyboard Uh, which has a trackpad in it. But in order to release that keyboard, they had to announce new trackpad support. And I'm assuming the timing of that was going to be I think they were gonna have an iPad event where they announced all of these cool new operating features plus the new iPad plus the new keyboard. And then it ended up sort of getting buried in a press release and an incremental update on iOS. But it was weird. I mean, I then my only assumption is something weird happened because it was so unusual to put such a major update in iPad OS 13.5. Like that was just bizarre.
0: It was. Yeah. Um, A noteworthy feature for those of you who like using the Apple Pencil on your iPad is a feature called Scribble. And um, this could be enough to get me to actually use my Apple Pencil more often. It allows you to actually handwrite notes in um, like the Reminders app, for instance. If you're writing a little item in one of your lists, you can write it um, with your Apple Pencil and it will convert it to... typed text for you. That same applies for Safari. If you're doing a search query in Safari in the URL bar at the top, this is assuming, I mean, I have really horrible handwriting, so I'm curious whether Apple could actually translate <laughs> what I'm saying. I, um, but I think
1: if, they will. Um, I mean, I can read it, so I'm sure that if I can read it, <laughs> that a, a AI can read it. Um, no, but... Uh, it's funny this is one of those things that I think is a cool feature but I would never use it. Like I prefer typing over handwriting so much. But I don't know if that's like maybe a generational thing that I just am more proficient at typing than handwriting or if it's a personality thing. I don't know. Well, do you, there, you prefer to handwrite than type things?
0: There are studies out there that um handwriting uses like different a different part of your brain. Like you can't type, you can't handwrite as fast, but it requires you in a way to condense the information, like choose what's the most important and write that down. And for things like journaling too, um, it's just a different experience. So I do think it's worthwhile. I, jour- I like to journal ha- using handwriting. And I actually use, there's this cool um, smart notebook. It's a little bit of a different <laughs> topic, the Rocket Book, which I can do handwriting and you can scan the pages in using your phone and then um, use like a washcloth and it washes the page clean. So you have like a notebook you can just use forever. <laughs> um, cool. But, and it also will translate your handwriting to typed text. And I think that's, what's cool about it to me is um, just a handwritten note on its own. Isn't that useful if you don't have the ability to quickly convert it to a typed document. And this allows you to do that. Like if, if you write something in the notes app as well, um, it will let you copy that and paste it as typed text. David, did you say something? You're muted. I, I
1: am. This is a good segue to our home kit section. I was trying to use Siri to turn up the light in my room. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I was trying to be covert. Thanks for calling it out.
0: I know. I was like, <laughs> I see your lips moving, but <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I'm trying to get a little more light for you all. Um, but I think let's move on from iPad OS because there wasn't a lot and we've got a lot to cover. But before we move on to our next OS, we have not had a chance to do a plug for Insider. And so one thing that I want to tell you all, and I'll let Donna go over all the features because she's great at that. But this is really the most exciting time of year for us as we prepare for you all. So as soon as all these betas come out, here's what we're going to do. We're gonna download every single beta and we're going to create a guide for you. Because in September, when the Apple releases iOS 14, the day iOS 14 comes out, we're gonna have a guide for you that walks you through every single feature, not only what was announced today, but every little tip and trick how to use it, everything you need to know to get the most out of that operating system when ipad os comes out we 're going to update our guides for ipad os so they 're all up to date and this is one of the exciting things this year is we 're really focusing as Apple has fragmented their operating systems we 're really focusing on updating all of our guides so make sure you go subscribe to Insider and uh, get ready for this because coming up you do not want to miss when, as soon as the new operating systems come out, we are going to be there with guides for you. And Donna, do you mind telling them a little more about what they get? Cause I, I skipped that part.
0: Sure. Yeah. So first of all, if you go, if you want to get a special discount, go to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount. And David, do you want to add that URL to the chat for people? Yeah, sure. Um, and so that you can get um, a steep discount on your insider subscription by using the special URL as a podcast listener. Uh, And Insider, the features that you get are in-depth guides, as David just mentioned, we'll be having an iOS 14 and an iPad OS 14 guide coming out just as soon as those softwares are available. Uh, You get um, access to Ask an Editor where you can ask us any of your tech questions and we'll help you find a solution to guaranteed responses to your burning questions about the tech you use. Um, You get a digital archive of iPhone Life magazine. We have been around for 10 years with the magazine, so that's more than 30 back issues. You get an exclusive version of this podcast with uh, exclusive content and ad-free. You also get daily video tips, and this is one of our all-time favorite features. We send you a one-minute tip every day, and we include a video of that tip for insiders That allows you to follow along and learn something cool you can do with your phone that you likely didn't know um, that you could do. And so it's a great way to just improve your skills on a daily basis, but it's super easy. Um, And I believe that's it. I probably, I might've missed something, but it's just a great resource to have if you are an Apple enthusiast, which I think many of you joining are, and you, you like using your devices and you want to be better at using them. So it's iphonelife.com slash podcast discount.
1: And uh, wow, we have a great testimony here from Anthony who just posted, best thing I've ever signed up for. Love it. Thank you, Anthony, oh, so much. And we're so glad you enjoy it.
0: That's amazing. Um, okay, so let's move on to watchOS 7. Yes. And really, this one's going to be a little bit light as well. David was excited about a feature you can now – Uh, download third-party watch faces from different apps. So for instance, like Nike has some watch faces that look pretty cool. And you can share your watch faces that you've customized. You can share them with other people and you can uh, access other people's watch faces. Yeah. It was a little bit like whatever about this, but David was excited.
1: The thing I'm most excited for is it can now track my dancing. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That was, I think for the most part, actually Apple had... Way fewer cringy moments where you're like, oh, who's gonna use that? Why are you talking about that? But to me, that was a little bit cringy where they were like, the kids like to dance and we're gonna let them track it as a workout. Um, so I thought that was a little silly. Although people who do, you know, dance as their workout, I'm sure will be happy. Uh, let's go back to the watch faces though. I do not love Apple's watch faces that they have. I'll show you the one I have right now, if you guys can see. It's really busy. It has a lot of things on there, Um, but I I don't like their pre-built ones. So I was excited to see what third-party people come up with because I kind of want one that's a little more visually appealing, but still has some um, some of the little custom things that they have where I can see the data. And so I'm excited to see what people come up with. And yeah, I, like, I always like when Apple opens things up to third parties because I feel like having more people be in there helps with creativity. And then it, whatever somebody comes up with that's good, Apple will steal it and that's good too.
0: <laughs> yeah. For watchOS, there's a couple other features. There's a bedtime feature that yeah. we already had that, but now it also has a wind down part of the feature that helps you not only tell you when to go to bed, but gives you a heads up when it's time to wind down and will suggest different things you could do, like reading, uh, I can't remember, or maybe listening to soothing music to help you in that process. Um, I love the bedtime feature. It helps me stay on a routine of when to go to bed and when to wake up and has like a quiet, gentle alarm. So I use that. David, you said you don't like being told what yeah,
1: to do. Yeah, I don't like being told what to do. Uh, this, yeah. this falls very firmly into the Apple's breathing app category for me, which is if you have an Apple Watch, you know your watch will randomly just start telling you to breathe. And you're, I'm just like, leave me alone. Like, first of all, breathing is just the default function of living. And don't worry, I'm doing it. But second of all, I do not want my watch to remind me Um, so I felt similar to this. Like I do not want my watch telling me to go to bed. Sometimes I feel like Apple tries to be like my parent and I, it really annoys me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's fair enough. I will say though, funnily enough, because that tends to be my default reaction to Apple when they try to do these features. I really liked their hand washing feature. Uh, Mm. it reminds you to wash your hands, especially I think it's like if you just get home or something, it'll remind you and then it'll time you for 20 seconds or as you're doing it. And it's cool because you don't have to tell your watch you're washing your hands. It detects that you're washing your hands by the motions and it detects the noise of the faucet running. I thought that was actually a cool feature.
0: Yeah, we have Pamela asking, where is the hand washing feature? Um, I think that As David said, it just pops up on its own, Yeah, my understanding.
1: I think Pamela is saying that she's never seen it pop up. This is because everything we're talking about today is coming soon. So everything we're talking about has not yet been released. It'll come out in beta in July and probably to your Apple Watch in September.
0: And for those of you who aren't sure what beta is, um, beta is like test software. So it's the early version where you're basically being a bit of a guinea pig trying it out and then september is the official shipping version and Um, Uh,
1: michael is reminding me that uh all these things are programmable which is very true so i just will choose to not use the bedtime feature just as i have turned off my watch reminding me to breathe
0: yeah and if you don't want to be told to wash your hands you'll be able to turn that off too um but uh we have someone saying a little obnoxious on the hand washing feature. Twenty seconds is way too long. That's my dad. Um, <laughs> but that is the amount of time you're supposed to wash your hands uh, to get rid of any viruses or diseases. So yeah, I think you all I'm gonna have to disagree.
1: Have a family discussion about this after.
0: Yeah. That. <laughs> um, we should talk about Mac OS before we're since we're running out of time. Um yes. Apple TV also has Updated software that now lets you do picture in picture, uh, which lets you, so you have like a video preview while you're navigating doing other things that you can move around the screen. So that's pretty cool. And um, multi user support for games. I thought,
1: I will say that I actually thought that um, the Apple TV support was particularly disappointing to me. I don't know that I love my Apple TV, so I don't know that there was anything I was particularly wanting. But I am never going to use picture in picture. Like if I'm, I'm either watching TV or I'm wanting to navigate. I don't want to like. I hate the like picture in picture in the corner. They added that to iPhone too, and I'm never going to use it there either. So I thought that was a little bit silly. Um, and uh, I don't use a lot of game stuff, so that didn't. I did think the TV show looked cool. Did you, what do you think of that? Are you a sci-fi fan?
0: Sci-fi is not my thing, but I feel like on the iPhone life team, a few people do like sci-fi and we're genuinely excited about it.
1: Well, so this was uh, an adaptation of Isaac Asimov's The Foundation. And Isaac Asimov is like the classic sci-fi writer. So if like, it's definitely based on really great materials, whether or not Apple did a good job with it is another question they seem to do a really nice, like it certainly the production value was there. So I think I'm excited for that because Isaac Asimov is great.
0: I want to have Valerie. Um, Valerie has a question about the handwriting conversion to text. Um, Valerie, if you are there, let us know. What was your question?
1: Oh yeah. When you had the, um, handwriting and notes and then you said you could upload it and then it would convert it to text so i was just curious if that's available or not now okay. or is it coming with the new beta
0: so it is coming with a new beta um all of the features we're talking about today right now apple debuted them um gave us a demo of them but really it won't be until july that the public beta software becomes available and that's something that you'll have to enroll in, you voluntarily choose that. It won't just be showing up on your phone. Um, and so we, I, I'll look for the URL right now, actually, to share with you. So that's because that's something you can enroll in for free and try it out. Otherwise, it'll be coming to your phone in September. Um, and when it'll show up on your phone as a software update. And I just wanted to talk about, um, I saw another question where people were asking, if, will all of the handwriting that you're doing convert to text automatically? And actually, Apple already has this feature on your in your Notes app. If you handwrite using the Apple Pencil um, in your Notes app, sorry, it won't convert to text automatically, but it will. It's searchable, it's, assuming your handwriting is legible. It actually is searchable already. That's cool. Uh, what's different now is that when you handwrite things into text boxes like the reminders app or the URL search bar in Safari, it will automatically convert to written text. And even in the same bar, you can write, like they're showing someone writing in English and then in Mandarin, like you can, as long as it's a supported language and you know more than one language, you can even do that. So that's pretty cool.
1: And it was, um, you could even like write the website domain name if you wanted in Safari and it would convert it,
0: which I thought was cool.
1: Um, yeah. I do want to, we are getting a couple of questions about Insider. So I want to answer that. Um, um, Christine just, is,
0: Valerie, before we oh, let her Valerie, go Valerie. though, did, did that answer your question? <laughs> oh yeah. Thank you so much.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you. And I, I look oh. forward to your phone tips every morning. It's so much fun. I love it. And I love you guys. You're great. Oh, thanks so much, oh, Valerie. Thanks,
0: Valerie. We love you too. <laughs> 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 right, oh bye. boy. <laughs>
1: Um, Christine is asking if there was a discount for Insider if you're on this podcast, or if you're listening to the podcast, I should say. Uh, Yes, if you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount, you get 30% off. And I just wanted to read a couple testimonials here that were so nice. Thank you all for typing this. I've been an iPhone Life Insider and have done as many classes as I could. This is Sissy, by the way, it is so informative. And I've learned so much. They are always available for all the questions. And I absolutely love the daily tips. I appreciate the fact that you felt that you feel like you are not just another number. Very personable. Thank you so much, Sissy.
0: That is awesome to hear here uh, i wasn't sure if i was uh, muted for a second i just wanted to let you guys know if you go to beta.apple.com that's where you'll be able to i'm just going to p- paste that in the chat box too that's where you can go to sign up for the public betas once they're available and that's not going to be until july they just said coming july they didn't say i don't know if it'll be july 1st or a few days in but it will be in july <laughs> um Okay, so Mac OS that's the last one we're going to talk about. I know we went a little over an hour, but I do want to spend a few minutes telling you about Mac OS. Um, David, do you want to get us started with your favorite Mac OS features?
1: Yeah well, I think the my, the most exciting to me about Mac OS was that they really redesigned the whole user experience um, from all the all the icons, the app, you know, the apps icons, the share icons, and even within all of Apple's built in apps, the whole user interface has been redesigned and it felt, it looked really good. You have to tell to, when you get your hands on it, but it looked really polished that they'd put a lot of time into it. It wasn't radical. Like you would all, you'd certainly recognize that it was still a Mac operating system, but they really invested a lot more heavily into refining all of the user experience elements and I thought it looked great. What did you think?
0: I thought so too. Really the thing that I'm most excited about with Mac OS, Big Sur is the name of it, by the way, um, is that they're adding control center to yes, the Mac. Yes,
1: that was great. So
0: it will have a similar that panel that I use all the time on my iPhone and iPad that will let you access things like dark mode or um, low power mode. Well, I don't know if they'll have that on the Mac, but basically there's just a lot of your settings that you do use regularly that you can access right there. And you can also put widgets on your Mac screen too. And it looks the same as it does on the iPad, the new widget view. So you can customize them, make them the size you want and add them right to your Mac home screen. Um, There was also for Safari on the Mac, they had, um, what was it called? A customizable start page. So you could add your own photo background you wanted to your Safari page. you can choose what elements show up there. You could have websites that are series suggestions based on your past use or um, like your reading list, things you've saved to read later can show up there. Also the tab view. I always have a ton of tabs open in yeah. Safari and it will show you the favicon which is like the little icon for that website in the tab and um, that's a new that's a new thing so it's easier to see what you have open and navigate between tabs that way.
1: You know, what was weird is that they have that feature. Because I, if you remember, I went on a really long campaign that I was really frustrated that Apple didn't have favicons. And they, in fact, added favicons, I think, last year. But they did redesign the way the tabs look now. Um, I don't and have I favicons
0: when I have it open.
1: Oh, really? Well, Oh, I
0: think- I'm running an older version of, of macOS.
1: That's why. <laughs> so there you go. Um, but I, I was excited about the Safari updates. First of all, they're claiming it's a lot faster. They're claiming it's by far the fastest web browser, which people in our office were grumbling about and claiming it wasn't true. So I'm just going to throw both of those things out there. Uh, but the redesign looked nice. I liked how So many times I open up a new tab and it brings me to kind of Safari's default view, which is pretty minimalist. And the idea that I could customize that more seemed nice given how often I see it every day. Um, I also, this was a small feature, but I thought it was exciting. They had, they added a feature where for web extensions, you could limit what websites it worked on and which ones it did not. That's not only a really nice privacy thing so that you can't have these extensions track you across the web, but also I use an extension called Grammarly, which I love for when I'm typing emails and things like that, but can sometimes slow down my computer because it'll attempt to analyze all of the grammar on, say... Facebook or something, and it'll just slow down my whole computer. So the fact that I can customize which pages Grammarly will work on and which ones it will not work on, I thought was very nice.
0: That is cool. And I'm going to ask William to talk uh, for a minute to us about um, Apple Silicon. That was a feature we were going to get to because it's a big announcement um, yeah, today. I wanted to cover that. Um, so William, I have, I've allowed your audio. If you just want to unmute yourself, you could... Uh, share with us what you thought about that well i think it's i think it's been rumored for many many moons but now they're planning it and i'm um, particularly uh, amazed at the time frame because they say they expect the first machines uh, by the end of the year my question is do you have any speculation about uh when the current max
1: will become obsolete Uh, Yeah, so let's, thank you so much, William. I just want to take a step back for those people who didn't watch the announcement to understand what we're talking about here. Apple, and I think it was around 2005, switched from using their own processors in computers, they called them PowerPC, to having Intel processors. Uh, And they've been using Intel for all of that time. And now Intel they are switching back into using their own processors. The reason why it's a really big deal is the processor that you're using affects every software. And so pretty much everybody who has any type of software for Mac now has to rewrite that software to be supported for the new Macs when they come out. Now, Apple is claiming that they have tools so that you can use Intel-based apps for the um, on the new computers, but it's a little bit questionable how buggy that'll be and how it'll work. Apple is also claiming that uh, the reason why they're doing it is they're able to get a lot more performance out of their own chips than they are uh, Intel's chips. And that rings true because Apple's been doing uh, chips for their iPhone and their PC for a long time. And Apple has great processors for their iPhones and their iPads. Um, that being said, transitioning is pretty complicated. So, okay, William, uh, to get to your question then, how long it'll be until the, the current Macs are not supported, they did not really say, is the short answer. I think Apple's going to take a while on this. They're very cognizant of the fact that it is a major change and that the software that they support is going to be really complicated for the next few years. Um, so I think you're pretty safe. Apple said they're, sh- they're about to still release new Macs that have Intel processors, which makes me think that they're not going to instantly make that out of date. Um, so it'll be a couple years probably until this all happened. And the main reason Apple announced it now is that they are wanting to give software developers a heads up so they can start working on supporting the new uh, processors before they come out. Does that answer your question, William? Uh, Yes, thank you. Great.
0: Thank you. Pamela, I just wanted to, I think you had a great question um, or a concern about upgrading to Mac OS. Uh, You can unmute yourself to let us know what that concern was.
1: Well, I have an older Mac, and it's a mid-2012. And I did not upgrade on the last upgrade because it seems like every time I upgrade, the computer gets slower and slower and I was just wondering if that's going to continue to be the issue, and I was looking at possibly buying a new uh, laptop, but I think I'm going to wait until the uh, new machines come out.
0: Yes, so I'm in a similar boat to you. Um, I have a 2013 MacBook Pro, and I actually haven't upgraded to last year's operating system because I had a similar concern. I always upgrade on my iPhone and iPad, and I keep more up-to-date you know i upgrade my phone more frequently than i do my macbook so i actually had just asked our chief technology officer about this exact point and he <laughs> was just saying that um he thinks it's a good idea to wait and see what the performance reviews are of these mac os operating systems before you go ahead and put it on your device so maybe just give it a little time read reviews online of what other people's experiences are before you um Take that leap because he he as he says, which backs up what you're saying. Usually, new Apple software um, will be more demanding for on your computer, and so if you do have an older device, it is a real concern. And Pam,
1: Pam this is the same problem we were talking about with iPhones, which is that as Apple improves their operating system, they have this trade-off between supporting older computers and getting the most out of the processors of the newer computers. And inevitably over time, uh, you're just going to, Apple's gonna eventually try to use more and more processing power. And if your computer is older, it won't be able to handle it as well. The difference though to me between iPhone and Mac is Macs have been around for so long that the operating system updates typically are less exciting. There's usually not as much in there that you really have to have. And so I tend to be pretty conservative, as Donna's saying, to update my operating system. I, A, make sure that it's not buggy, and B, I make sure that my computer can support it before I update. Because usually the trade-offs to me are often a lot less. Like you get less good things for that and your computer slows down <laughs> um, so certainly it's worth being cautious on that front
0: we do have uh, one listener saying that uh, they have a 2014 pro and that they upgraded and the performance greatly increased so that's great to hear too
1: that is great to hear and it is worth and some of this is just following along like donna's saying the article's written so for example on the iPhone iPhone, iOS 11 was really famous for this. So iOS 10 came out and slowed down all of the new iPhone, all of the older iPhones. And so Apple released iOS 11. And one of their main goals was to make older iPhones work faster. So it really does depend on the individual operating system, which is part of why we're here to help advise you on these things and following along on, on different websites uh, helps.
0: So thank you so much, everyone. We've we've gotten through the main features of all the operating systems. We also are gonna be having coverage on iPhoneLife.com. Starting today, we're gonna to be sending out a newsletter at the end of the day with all of our rundown of the Apple event and uh, even more in-depth coverage of everything Apple announced. And uh, we wanna make our question of the week for those of you on the live show and also those of you listening later at home, What features from WWDC are you most excited about? And you can email your answers to podcast at iphonelife.com.
1: Thank you guys so much. Um, And also, if you are live, uh, feel free to either type somewhere in the questions or in the comments and we'll make you live for a second. You can tell us what feature you're most excited about. I'm going to tell you guys a feature that I'm excited about that we hadn't had a chance to cover yet because we just... Apple released so many things, Um, but as you could tell from me talking to Siri, I am very into my smart home, and Apple made some really good adjustments to smart home. In particular, I have a smart lights everywhere. Apple came out with this feature called adaptive lighting, which basically means they will adjust your lighting over the course of the day and they didn't get into too many details And i'm curious how it'll work but they said in the morning you'll have soft light, warm light during the middle of the day you'll have a little bit brighter and a little bit uh, cooler tones what i would like for them to do and i don't know if they can do it is i would like for them to basically take into account the lighting sources around it so for example Right now, I don't know if you guys could hear the thunder, but it's thunderstorming here, Uh, and so it's pretty overcast, so I would like my lights to be a little bit brighter. Um, I hope they can do things like that, but I'm excited about the idea of adaptive lighting as a concept.
0: I'm gonna give you two of my favorite features. I also thought that was cool, by the way, David. Um, The message mentions, I mentioned this at the beginning of the episode, but being able to use group text in a more efficient way Also just the group text text features, we didn't mention too, that you can create like an image uh, specifically for your group chat at the top, which was cool. Um, And the other feature was the app folders. I thought that being able to um, have a smarter way to sort your apps and to be served up, hopefully if it's implemented well, the apps that you want to look at at any given time is gonna be really nice.
1: Yeah, I think overall iOS 14 seemed great. Like it honestly seemed like one of the best updates they've had in a long time. And the Mac update seemed great as well. The rest seemed a little underwhelming. Uh, Radhika is asking me what watch face I have because I held it up to the screen. I'm using Infograph Modular, uh, which I will hold this up to the screen so you guys can kind of see it's... uh, It's basically has as many complications as I can fit on there as possible. (laughs) It was was what I went with, which is why I'm complaining that it doesn't look pretty.
0: Well, thank you all so much for joining us today. This has been really fun. I love doing the interactive live shows and being able to hear from all of you. And, um, And I'm so happy to hear that Insider is a useful resource for all of you. So thanks so much for being part of the iPhone Life community. And we will be back with another show in a couple of weeks. We'll have more coverage. By then, hopefully, we'll be testing the public betas of uh, iOS 14 and iPadOS 14. And for those of you who haven't upgraded or signed up for that yet, we can tell you how to do it and tell you if we think you should do it.
1: Thanks so much guys. I actually want to add one more question of the week because this was a fun experiment doing the live podcast. I know I had a lot of fun, um, but I want to hear what you all thought about it, especially those of you listening at home. uh, If you didn't necessarily attend live, uh, would you A, did you like the format of having, live, having a live show and having people come on? And B, would you be interested in attending moving forward? Um, because we would like to keep doing them if you all want to hear them and attend them. So send us an email at podcast at iphonelife.com and let us know. Thanks, everyone. Thanks so much, everyone.